got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Nerds. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. Brian Schrader, I cannot tell you how happy I am to be back on these waves with you. How are you doing, buddy? Good, good. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. Do you do you Couple feel? Weeks. Wait, how many weeks? Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm clearly I, I a little bit rusty. We're Can't clearly a little bit rusty. Cold open. I'm gonna have to cut that part out there nah. as we uh, as we edit it. Nah, keep it's it fresh. that uh, you know make us lovable. Do you feel fresh? <laughs> I wish I could feel say fresh? I feel fresh. I don't feel fresh at all. What have you been up to? You want to tell our wonderful fans what you've been up to? By the way, we are up to 600 Instagram followers. Wowza. 600. Yeah. And most of them are not on, IG. creepy Russian bots. Only some. Only some. I do my best yeah, to nothing. sift through. <laughs> We're not in a position to be banning Russian bots. If they want to come like our Instagram page and follow us, that's totally fine. Tell um, me. So what have you done? Not just, you know, just been, been summer and traveling a little bit, and, you know, went, went to the lake a couple times, just, you know, just, been busy for no good reason. I don't feel like I've been busy, but I haven't gotten anything done. I think that's the summer. I, I'm ready for my kids to go back to school so I can get some work done. Dude, I, there's bad. always, we've talked about this at length before. There's the expectation that going into the summer that somehow we're going to be extremely productive, that those, that those chores to do at home, yeah, it's just it's going to get you know the list is going to get shorter. I feel the same way. I have accomplished nothing this summer. No, nothing. I mowed the so, grass yesterday. That's about it. <laughs> for the first time this summer. Yeah, for the first time. I just you know finally decided to. No, no, I agree. I agree. It's it's you. I, you know, I feel bad, but I as a kid you look forward to summer, and it, as a parent you're like, oh, school's about to start. Thank God. It is so true. Getting There's so much school. guilt that goes. I I feel guilty about it. I want to I want to be with my kids, but then I just don't. You know, it's a wonderful eight hours, <laughs> seven hours, four hours, however long it is. But I mean, my youngest is upstairs right now watching television because she does like TV. I don't know how your kids are different in terms of their their TV watching, but yeah, they're pro. I could put my youngest. They're pro TV. Yeah. They dig it. Sure. My audio quality looks terrible on Facebook. So sorry to those who are watching Facebook Live or, or watching our video later on YouTube. Hey, let's jump into it because we've got a lot to cover today. Let's talk about sports. First and foremost, let's do it. Okay. Uh, quick promo, shout out, what do you want to call it, for our social media pages. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, uh, sports.nerds. That's where we do most of our work. We're also on the Twitter at underscore sports nerds and then right here on facebook if you're watching our facebook live stream fb.me slash sports nerds uh brian uh the big news today in terms of our sphere uh our world is that our pga championship pool has started ended up with about 45 uh 45 folks involved nice. this time so it's been a successful run we i think a successful uh, endeavor this summer doing the, the major pools so we'll continue to do that I guess what could we do next if we're not we're, we're running out of golf majors? What's next? We have we're not going to oh, do we fantasy got U.S. Open tennis, right? And yeah, I'll let you set that one up. How about that? I don't even know. How about you? 
August 27th. Yeah, That's in a couple exactly. weeks. It's coming up. It's coming up. All right, let's let's start with a with a, a light story. Okay, before we get into something heavy, are you familiar with the Marquette King uh, 104.3 The Fan I, I beef? Well, What's going well, on I, here? I, in thought, I thought at first you were going to say, "Am I familiar with Marquette King?" Yeah, I mean, I, I know him. He was okay, a, I'm a Raiders fan, of course. I know who Marquette King was. So yeah, can you? I, okay, I've, so I've, I've only I've only kind of heard. You have to you have to fill me in. I'm not in Denver, so I'm not you know, I'm not hip to the the drama that is Denver, Denver sports radio, but okay. Well, the significant thing might, the significant because I'm sure it's not something boring. The significance of the story is not really, uh, the Broncos or Marquette King, but more the relationship between, I guess, athletes and the media, okay. because this all started a week ago. Uh, Marquette King was on one Oh four, three, the fan with Brandon Stokely and DMAC who I'm not afraid to say it right here on the air. Cause I don't care. Are a couple of spares. Don't like listening to them. Don't like their content at all. Nobody. I, I mean, I, the, the vast majority of our listeners are not from Denver, so I don't really care. And I bet you they don't have the balls yeah. to say anything about us on their radio show. Oh, look at that. Any <laughs> All publicity is good Next publicity. time you listen to DMAC and Stokely, they're going to pretend like they didn't even hear what Sam just said about them. They're just going to go about their business <laughs> trying to save face, but we all know what happened. It's going to happen. Uh, but it's this awkward, it was this awkward interview between uh, those three and Marquette King was just like not answering questions. And so he left the interview. They they stopped the interview, and then for the last, uh, I suppose, five or six five or six days, there's been this passive aggressive beef between these three uh, on social media, mostly on Twitter. And then it actually <laughs> over the weekend something happening at, at training camp in which uh, Marquette King wanted to punch DMac or something like that. I looked at DMac. I mean, he he's got a punchable face, right? Is that that's from <laughs> some Will Ferrell movie? But it's true. He's got very much a punchable face. I've caddied for Brandon Stokely a couple times. Not a huge fan of that dude. Very much an asshole. You tend to learn a lot about who people are when you're on the golf course for them or with them, and you're working for them. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan. I don't know who Marquette King is as a person. I have no idea. But uh, this is interesting to me because now there's this massive beef between 104.3 The Fan, which is, I guess the probably most popular, probably the most popular radio station, yeah. sports radio station here in Denver, and the Broncos. Who I mean, everybody sucks up to the Broncos in this town. Everybody. It's it's it makes you want to throw up. So anyhow, that's what happened. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. It's just an interesting story. It's kind of funny. Well, it's I mean, funny. your brother actually told me about it. I I don't know. I mean, it's. If you if you don't, I'm sure everyone listening to this knows who Marquette King is. He's a he's a punter, right? Is is bizarre to have a a punter embroiled in in any sort of drama? But like he became sort of a, a household name last year, uh, and maybe was he with the Raiders the year before that too? Because he would always you know he'd he'd have a good punt and then he'd do like silly dances or and he got he got penalty flags all the time for you know he picked up a referee's flag one time and threw it and you know he, he you know taunts people and he just is like this big big personality or whatever. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to, what to make of this fight. I, I sort of assume that Marquette King is, is of the philosophy that there's no, there's no such thing as bad publicity. You know what I mean? That, that if he's going to get a fight in a fight and people are talking about them, as long as he, as long as he punts the ball, well, I suppose it, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I'm not sure what stake DMAC or, or Brandon Stokely have in getting in a fight with a punter on the, on the Bronco. I mean, again, I was, I don't, I didn't hear the original interview. I don't know. I don't know how it started, but it seems to me that, you know, I'm not calling Marquette King a troll, but that his behavior is kind of trolly, right. That he's, he's 
generated a controversy where no one even seems to know what the controversy is and that all DMAC and Brandon Stokely need to do to make this go away is to simply stop talking about it. Right. But they're, they're kind of, they're kind of doing the opposite. So I don't know. It is, it is, it is really weird. Yeah. So basically what um, Marquette King has done or no, I, well, who's trolling who I wonder, I guess I, I see. Oh, I think okay. he's trolling them. You do. Well, I mean, they, they, they have a radio show. They have an audience. Look, those have, dudes are definitely trying to. to him. He's a punter. Okay. Like, honestly, most of the time, do you even know the, the, the punter on your team's name? Right, which is sort of a point that they've made, right? Like, why is this, why is this punter talking so much, blah, blah, blah. I've seen, I've seen Broncos fans sort of go, go at, it, at each other on Twitter about this. You know, like, oh, you know, that guy should shut up or he should kick, get kicked off the team or all this sort of stuff. He's just a punter. He's replaceable. And then a bunch of people are like, actually, no, he's like the best punter in football you know, we, we definitely want him and, and that sort of stuff. So there does seem to be some controversy about like what the, the fallout should be from this and who's to blame and who should be punished if anybody should be punished and that sort of stuff. And my point is it's weird for punters, right? Who was the other punter that you had on the, on the show? Didn't you have Chris Cluey on the show? Yeah. Right. Like he's an example of um, a, a, a football player. Who's not a household name. Who's not necessarily a superstar who made his name by being outspoken. In that case, it was like for being political, right. Not for being, silly or or whatever but i i, I see this as marky marquette king trying to parlay however long he's in the nfl into into something bigger right into being on dancing with the stars or being on celebrity big brother or having his own radio show or something like that and i think he's he's you know that that we're talking about this right now means that he's getting what he wants i think that dmac and brandon stokely at least from what i can tell are genuinely upset about this and think it's a real issue that needs to be covered and he's probably you know marquette king is probably laughing about it as a Raiders fan, I was laughing about this move too because I had a bunch of friends who are Broncos fans who were like, "Hey, we so we got your punter, ha ha ha!" And I was like, "That's that's really good news for you because you guys punt a lot, so it's good that you have a good punter." So it's a punter. Uh, who's your fantasy football punter? Uh, <laughs> we haven't drafted yet. I, I'll take him in the first round. There's no such today. thing as a fantasy football punter. Well, there is in my league. You didn't draft the punter last year. I didn't. We, we I, I run a I run a two punter. You're league. full of shit. <laughs> two punter league, and you can put one in your flex spot too, so you can have three punters if you want. Oh, okay. Let's 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 very quickly um, crush the joy that was in that conversation to talk about <laughs> Urban Meyer, right? Urban, Urban, Mayor. Uh, there's a lot going on at Ohio State, and I like Ohio State football fans even less after this week because I don't know if you saw. You know they hate them out some here, of the right? protests. They hate him out here. No, no, like the Mich- no, the Michigan Ohio thing. Like I didn't know that until I moved out here. It's crazy. Oh, you're in Michigan. I'm in Denver. I'm in that Michigan. Out, out, I'm sorry, out here where I am. Yeah, I'm in Michigan right now. Okay, okay. I forgot yeah. that we're in different cities. Like if you just if you want people to like you out here, you just like talk shit about Ohio. I'm sure and it's it the works. same thing down there. I get. Yeah, it's it's like a rivalry. I guess I don't know. So Urban Meyer uh, gave okay. Let's try to sum this up. Assistant coach, wide receiver coach, several instances in which his wife had called the police about domestic violence, domestic abuse stuff, track record of this. Urban Meyer keeps the dude on staff, um, basically admits last Friday in, in a really awkward press conference that he understood or knew what was going on. Didn't say that, I'm sorry, I didn't do anything, but uh, he did acknowledge that he knew some sort of history existed. So the big, uh, the big, hubbub or or conversation over the last uh five days has been what the hell was urban meyer doing giving this press conference but also 
what can we expect from Ohio State University in terms of how they're going to handle this situation. And so uh, what's your take on everything? Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that oftentimes we hear these stories and, and we try and sort of parse the differences and, and, and try and figure out what the what the details are. And sometimes, you know, when you, you dig deep, you say, oh, you know, look, it, it wasn't as bad as it, it seemed at first. Or sometimes, you know, it's way, way worse than, than, it, than, it, than it seemed. And I think that that instinct is one that in 2018, people are not hip to anymore, that they're not really wanting to get down and investigate the, the nuance of any particular domestic violence or, or assault or sexual assault sort of claim. I think what, what the, the, the Me Too movement, the, the, the sort of the ethos of 2018 has been all about has been, let's not try and, and split hairs and figure out if someone technically was on the, the, the right side of the rules or the regulations or the law, but instead the ethos of 2018 is one where if there's any sort of whiff of, of something unsavory happening and you know about it, you know, you should say something, right? If you see something, say something. If you, if something doesn't seem right, you should, you should be saying something and you should be doing it loudly, right? It's very much in a, a, a philosophy of we should assume that anyone who's making a claim about this sort of thing is, is telling the truth and we should work really, really hard to, to sort of do the right thing. To, to make sure that it's that it comes to light, right? That it doesn't get um, kind of kind of swept under under the rug, right? So I mean, there's there's been articles out about Urban Meyer things saying, well, look, technically he did this and he did that, and so you know maybe there's not as much guilt to be had here. But I think that there's not going to be a lot of appetite for that sort of explanation. I think that um, the expectation now is that if you've got something like that going on, that you that you you know that you scream it from the rooftops, that you do everything in your power to. Um, you know, as an article I just read talked about, actually claim the moral high ground and, and do the right thing regardless of, of the consequences. And it doesn't look like that's what Urban Meyer did here, right? Will he get fired? Will he not? It's hard to say. He's a huge, huge name. Unfortunately, I think that matters a lot. You know, there's probably legal things with his contract and that sort of stuff. Um, uh, it, it kind of looks to me like what what they're trying to do here is ride out the storm and wait for some other big thing to take over the news cycle and then you know, not really fire him and, and, and he'll be around. Though I tell you what, whenever the story broke when, and we talked about it when it first happened, my instinct was that there was no possible way that he would be able to survive this thing. But I think maybe there's a little bit of, of, of a change in there. But I, I, I think that's a problem. Yeah. I was, uh, I, I don't want to say appalled, but I was certainly disappointed in Urban Meyer. I've never been a huge fan of Urban Meyer, so don't get me wrong on that front. But in terms of what you and I study, rhetorically, his his apology speech if you want yeah. to call it that last friday was just terrible um he didn't own up to anything or he didn't at least show remorse for having an awareness of what was going on uh it was all about urban i wish i, I need to go back and find the transcript if it's if it's anywhere but folks if you can find it out there i would definitely suggest that maybe brian will one of us will find it here and post it to uh to facebook momentarily it's just not a good speech, right? It doesn't have any of those elements that we expect in an uh, apology. And in fact, it kind of reminded me of, do you remember Ryan Braun's speech yeah. uh, when he didn't, didn't the, admit the, the to cheating on baseball or cheating on baseball? The first one. The first one where he blamed the guy and got that dude fired? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ruined a guy's life, which um, I would say that Urban Meyer, maybe Ryan Braun are cut from the same cloth, but I don't want to spend too much time on that because I know we'll probably have to return to it. Uh, I do think that 
Ohio State is underneath or under a microscope that's that could very much lead to the end of Urban Meyer's career there. I mean, we talked about the Ohio State wrestling scandal or situation a few weeks back, and that seems to be heating up as these uh, wrestlers are actually filing lawsuits against the university. And um, I think we can assume that Ohio State's going to do whatever it can to to sever ties from any scandalous or salacious uh, storylines or personnel that they have on staff, which, I mean, that seems like a, a, a rational train of thought. Doesn't yeah. it? No, it does. I mean, you know, you, you keep thinking at some point that, that there's not going to be, to use a term I used just, just a few minutes ago, that, that the appetite for this sort of stuff is going to go away where the logic is going to be, under no circumstances can we tolerate this sort of stuff, whether or not you're the perpetrator or you're a person who knew about it and didn't tell anybody, or if you, you know, kind of going off of what you just talked about and Urban Meyer's apology, if you're, if your defense is, I did the bare minimum of what the rules and regulations and law required me of. And even if you think I should have done more, I, I didn't break the law. Well, that's not an apology, dude. If like, I think the, the appetite, I keep feeling like the appetite for that sort of shit is going to, is going to go away and we're just not going to have it. But like I said before, I, I, I don't, I, that's what I wish would happen, but it doesn't seem like, like that's what's, that's, what's going to happen. Like, I really thought the Ray Rice thing, you know, was really, we had turned the corner, you know, like that was a place where no teams would touch that guy. And I thought, I think a lot of people thought that that was going to be um, the way that, that professional sports, you know, we'll, we'll call college folks, college sports, professional sports. It's almost professional anyways, would, would deal with this sort of stuff, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be the case. Right. I mean, we've got a, a similar example of who's, who's the closer that Toronto had who got suspended for domestic violence. Roberto Ozuna. Roberto yeah. Ozuna. And he just came off his, um, off his suspension and was immediately picked up by the Astros. Right. And, you know, to, to, there was some, there was some, you know, hemming and hawing and people who were upset about it. But, but for the most part, you know, the, the, the Astros made what they thought was a good business decision to pick up a, a better closer and they got rid of their closer who they weren't happy with. And they think it puts them in a better position to win. And, you know, I, I guess, I guess there's enough people who are okay with that, that that's, that's what's going to go down. I, I feel like that, you know, urban fire is probably a bigger deal to college football than, you know, Ozuna is to, the Astros and their their one World Series championship or whatever or one recent one Did they have one before. It's quite yeah, unfortunate. But but, but my, my point I mean, is, but I, I you know where, where it seems like we're we're really changing direction, we're pivoting, and we're not going to tolerate stuff. Then then this sort of stuff happens and people don't care. I mean, you brought up something that's really important to to highlight, which is the value of money or the fact that money as a perspective through which we can view these situations tends to be that perspective that is valued the most. I mean, it's not about necessary, necessarily kind of emotional abuse or backlash. It's not about people. It's really just about money. And I think I tend to agree with you there. I, I, I hadn't thought about that in a couple of days, but um, Ohio State's going to have to bite a very, very big bullet if they're going to fire Urban Meyer. Cause I think his, in his you know contract, no matter what, he's I think he's going to get thirty five million dollars. That's a lot of money, especially for a school that may get sued for hundreds of millions of dollars for their um, what their wrestling program did in the eighties and nineties. But alas, uh, let's let's pivot here towards the main topic, which is I don't know how we want to phrase this: Major League Baseball and eventually we'll get to it. The NFL's inability to really uh, leverage new technologies to share or spread their brand 
we came at this, we talked about it several weeks ago, uh, Rob Manfred's comments about Mike Trout, that he, was it was it during the All-Star game or during the Home Run Derby that he had said that? It was right around the All-Star game. That he said, you know, yeah. Trout wasn't being, what what was, okay, so Trout, can he you? He basically said yeah. he, wasn't, he wasn't marketing himself, okay. right? That, okay. that, that Trout is not, what does it say? Player marketing requires one thing for sure, the player, Manfred said earlier in the day. You cannot market a player passively. You can't market anything passively. You need people to engage with those whom you are trying to market in order to have effective marketing. We're very interested in having our players more engaged and having higher profile players and helping our players develop their individual brand. But that involves the player being actively engaged. So he so says was, this, right? His comments were kind of directed at, at trial. Oh, he goes on to say, Mike's, Mike's a great, great player and a really nice person, but he's made certain decisions about what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do and how he wants to spend his free time and how he doesn't want to spend his free time. That's up to him. If he wants to engage and be more active in that area, I think we could help him make his brand really, really big, but he has to make a decision that he's prepared to engage in that area. It takes time and effort. Okay. So first off, where do you stand on this? I mean, he's not wrong. Uh, okay, he's not wrong. I mean, Trout, Trout's, the, Trout's the best player in baseball, hands down, and has been for a number of years. Not to be like the dude who said, yeah, I heard of that band long before you, but I was high on Trout when he lost the MVP to Miguel Cabrera with the year that uh, Miggy won the, the Triple Crown. And then I think there was a different year. One of the, didn't, didn't Miguel win him back-to-back? That Trout should have won on both of, that, both of those years because we're sort of in love with you know, the, the, the long ball and, and big offensive numbers, even though they're, they, they're somewhat updated, right? Like, or outdated rather, like who gives a shit what your average is? We, you know, if you are into baseball at all, you know, that's not the, the best number to be, to be looking at that Mike Trout is obviously a, a better player than Miguel Cabrera. If only because he, you know, he doesn't play first base or DH that he plays, that he plays center field and contributes defensive, makes, makes defensive contributions. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I think it's true that that Mike. I think I think the point that Manfred is trying to make is that it's weird that you've got the best player in the game that is not widely understood to be the best player in the game. Mm-hmm. Does that does that make sense? And 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 what what is the explanation for that? Well, maybe it's because he plays on the West Coast. Maybe it's because he plays. You know, I mean, you can't say it's a small market team, but the 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 Angels for whatever reason kind of behave more like a small market team than a than a big market team. Um, is it because he doesn't because he doesn't market himself? I don't know. It's it, it's definitely true that that Major League Baseball is not getting all the benefits of a bona fide superstar. Um, and so I, I guess there's there's at least a part of me that says that Manfred might be right that that Trout could could do more to make himself not that he's not a household name, but he could do he could do he could do more to sort of embrace his his superstar superstar status. I'll say this too. I guess he doesn't have to if he doesn't want to. I guess I just find it quite. Uh, hypocritical that Manfred would make these comments as as the head of an organization that has done everything to keep people like Bryce Harper um, from being outspoken, right? Trying to really take the personality out of Bryce Harper, who is who has the potential to be as much of a superstar as Mike Trout. Now he's you know he's in that second tier. I mean Trout's I don't know, let's not even call it a second tier, right? I mean Trout Trout is his own beast, yeah. right? His own animal. He's, he's the best player we've seen in the last 50 years, but major league baseball, even when Bud Selig was heading it up, uh, didn't do a very good job of creating an atmosphere in which those personalities that people would be attracted to could thrive. I mean, Barry Bonds was, was in, 
was kind of one of those personalities or could have been made that personality. Like there, obviously there was, there was, you know, all of the, uh, the elements surrounding Barry Bonds regarding HGH and steroids yeah. and all of that and the kind of, you know, the stigma attached to it. But I mean, consider Major League Baseball could have easily played up Barry Bonds as the bad guy in order to draw attention to that player, that moment in a way that would have brought attention, would have brought popularity to the sport. I mean, I think it could do the same thing with Bryce Harper. And a lot of those players are probably okay with playing the bad guy. You know, they enjoy it. They thrive in it. And, you know, you have Harper, you have Trout, you have this possibility of these players that you can you can accentuate their personalities, you can leverage it. I don't think it's the players as much as it is Major League Baseball and those media outlets that major that Major League Baseball has partnered with, the ESPNs, the Fox Sportses, that that just don't understand how they're supposed to frame and circulate these brands. Because it just can't be that hard, man. Like it can't be look, I, I look at the NBA. And I look at how great the NBA is doing it. Or, you know, you and I watch a lot of European soccer. Look at the personalities over there and how those organizations and those leagues really play up those personalities. I don't think it has to be up to the player as much. I think, I think you can create an environment, an atmosphere in which you let the league really circulate those brands and you don't put the onus or the responsibility on the individuals because they just should be performing on the field and be, you know, and let them be them. Yeah. I mean, you brought up Cabrera. Like, that dude could have been a superstar. I mean, he is, obviously, a fantastic player, Hall of Famer. But there were five, six years there where we should have been focusing all of our attention on Miguel Cabrera. We could have, he could have been made into a personality. He could have been made into a character. You know, I don't want to say a caricature, but, you know, he could have been the head of brands, could have been the face of brands, all of this stuff. I think it's, it's more the institution of Major League Baseball, the institution of not taking advantage of, of the environment now, of the viewers now, of that, I'd say, 18 to 35 demographic who really could be primed to watch this stuff, to watch these players. They just don't know how to do it. And I don't think it's, I don't know that they're trying, but they are certainly ignorant when it comes to it. That's my take. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think deep down what, what Manfred wants is, is uh, Mike Trout to be LeBron and he's never going to be LeBron, right? It's not, it's not, I don't think that, that you've got major companies beating on Mike Trout's door to come do, you know, kind of nationally televised ad spots. And he's saying no to that. I, I doubt very much that's, that's what's happening. I think that, that, you know, big companies realize that baseball doesn't have the same cachet that basketball does, right. For, for a variety of reasons, when you're talking about basketball, um, you know, the superstars are uh, on the court all the time. They're scoring tons and tons of points. They're playing, you know, big minutes. They're, they're, they're constantly doing something. It's not true of baseball, right? As good as Mike Trout is baseball is the type of game where it's, it's not obvious in like if you picked any one single game that Mike Trout was playing in, it may not be necessarily obvious to but based on the eye test that he's far and away the best player on the field. Right. Does that make sense? Where in in the case of other superstars in, in basketball, it is the case. Right. LeBron James is bigger and and way, way higher up on the intersection of size slash athleticism than anyone else on on the court. He has the ball all the time. He constantly scores a bunch of points. He has big plays. He's, you know. Mike Trout will never be that. But put differently, ba- baseball will never be basketball, right? You can't market it 
um, in, in the exact same way. And I think that's what, what we've seen is largely a retreat into um, regional markets. I suspect that, you know, wh whatever team is kind of around you, you're probably seeing your players doing kind of local local spots, but it's not, it just, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the, the big, again, the same, not to reuse words, but it doesn't have the same, same cachet baseball in sort of uh, on, on a national stage as, as it should. And this is not a new problem for baseball, by the way, if Mike Trout were in New York and playing for the Yankees or even playing for the Mets, or he was playing in LA or he was playing for Boston or was playing for a, a, a huge uh, market team. He was playing for the Cubs, right? I don't, I don't think he would do, he could, he wouldn't have to do anything differently necessarily, but he would be, he would be a bigger star. It's sort of an unfortunate reality when it comes to baseball, that if you're, if you're playing in some of these, um, you know, less historically important or historically popular teams or, or, or markets that it, it doesn't matter how good you are. Right. It, you're just not, and that they're good. always going to play second. No. And they're also in a town where they're, they're going to play second fiddle to the Dodgers. Right. Always. always yeah. I don't, no matter how terrible the Dodgers are or how great the angels are, the Dodgers are the good. And I mean, that's, they're up there in terms with the Lakers in terms of popularity. And this is not, city. this is not, Mike Trout's fault. It's Major League Baseball's fault. And this is a conversation that, that we've we've had this a million times, right? Like, do they need to uh, increase the pace of play? What can they do to make it more attractive to um, younger audiences? Do games need to be free? Do they need to be streamed online? Do we need to have, um, you know, time limits? Wh whatever, right? To 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 make it more appealing to to younger to younger people. I don't know, man. I grew up and baseball was it was I loved I love I love baseball. I think all kids my age, you know, probably maybe what, whatever I was, I was going to offer a caveat, but I'll just keep my mouth shut. Like liked baseball a lot and liked baseball stars and they were household names, even if they weren't where you were from. Right. I don't know. We grew up at around the same time. We probably loved a lot of the same baseball players. Right. I was a big David justice fan. I think that was true. Even if you weren't an Atlanta Braves fan or, you know, later where do you play the Yankees and stuff like that. Is there too much of it now? Is there too much of the product out there now? Sports? Is it too available? Or baseball? No, no, just baseball. I mean, it's there is like, are you drawn to that Sunday night baseball game when it's not the Red Sox? I mean, you and I might be, but is the is the kind of middle of the road fan like that used to be something that was people tuned into not even that long ago. That used to be, you know, uh, schedule schedule yeah. viewing, right? People wanted to do that. I don't. I no, wrong? I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I just. I don't think it is. I don't think the fall classic is the fall classic anymore. I don't think that that as many people gear up to to watch it. And I'm not sure what what what's the chicken and what's the egg or whatever here. But like, is it because it, it only the World Series is televised on Fox, right? Even some of the division and championship series are on TNT. You're not watching them on regular TV. I think they're too late for you know young kids to stay up and watch them at least if you live uh in the eastern time zone like i do like they're not they're they're you're not making the product accessible to people and it, it might just go away i don't know maybe this is a good transition to this other article that 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 you wanted to talk about the one that's like it's possible that yeah, that let's... that that football that baseball that sports the way that they're they are currently constituted either have to make drastic changes to keep up with the times with the way that people are interested in watching them um, or interested in consuming them or, or find them at all entertaining or, or they're going to, or they're going to die. Right. Like, is that, is that the thrust? I don't know if you want to talk about this article. 
What's it called? Yeah, it's, a, it's an article by a guy named Eugene Wee. He is, I don't know, he's not necessarily a whiz kid anymore. He's been around for a long time, but he's considered one of the smartest people in tech, one of the smartest people in Silicon Valley. And he started a blog actually 17 years ago, years ago, it's called Remains of the Day. And he just kind of goes off on things and offers some really, really insightful perspective on various topics related to tech and and, uh, digital media. But this is an article called Beware the Lessons of Growing Up Galapagos. If you can find it, read it. It's fantastic. It's not, not too much of a read. And, and Wee's article is, is really um, one part of it, right? One part of his argument is that the death of the NFL will come at the hands not of CTE or of uh, you know, flag protests, but rather of the fact that the NFL is, is, as a whole, being led by the an older generation that simply will not embrace the potential the potential of new media technologies, in particular, putting games online, uh, not allowing users to repost content on Instagram. One of the examples that he uses actually relates to baseball because uh, House of Highlights is an Instagram uh, account that has millions of followers. It's fantastic. And it just shows highlights from NBA games. NBA players follow it. LeBron makes comments on it. And the popularity of the game is is kind of housed in those kind of interactions, those kind of, of moments, those kind of, uh, of, of products. Major League Baseball won't even let uh, people take – cuts from the game and air them on Twitter uh, without, you know, they'll take them down, copyright infringement, all of this stuff. And so his argument is that, okay, baseball and, and the NFL are in the same boat. And the fact that they're just not acknowledging the audience that they want to be able to reach. They're not even acknowledging the buying power of those audiences. And rather quickly, they're going to be left behind because it's going to be sports like soccer and even cricket who or which have, have recognized the value of those clips, the value of understanding how to package your content in a way that today's viewer consumes it. That is 10, 15 second videos. That is, you know, um, uh, you know, short audio clips, podcasts, all of this stuff. It's not the full entire thing. And so that's basically his argument. And I, I really liked it. I think he's kind of spot on when you consider, especially with the NFL, the people who are running the organization, they just have no idea what their audiences want because once you get people like you and I who die off or stop watching, who's, who's going to be that generation behind us. I don't envision our kids sitting down and watching the NFL. I don't, I don't see them right, enjoying a two and a half hour game because they're going to be drawn to those sports that, that embrace uh, the medium and the content or how that content is packaged in today's uh, media. Yeah, and the point that he's making about the NFL and it's true about major league baseball too, is really, really simple. It is, those products were born out of a bygone era, right? When there was not mm-hmm. that much choice that you couldn't go and watch something online. You couldn't go watch something on demand. You couldn't go watch something on Netflix. You couldn't watch a recap of a baseball game or a football game. If you missed it, you were reading the box score. And none of that is true anymore, right? So were people willing to invest three and a half hours into a football game 20, 30 years ago when they had no other options? Yes. Are they willing to do that now? It seems like the answer is no, right? His argument is, the decline in viewership has nothing to do with, again, all the social controversy that, that, that you alluded to, but rather um, has to do with losing out on, on new viewership, right? That you've got a static number of people who want to watch it and some people are you know dying off on the one end and you're not renewing that with new viewers on the other end. So eventually 
you have to to sort of adapt or die. And to be honest, right, like changing the kickoff by five yards or putting a pitch clock on uh, on pitchers in baseball games, those are those are band aids on. You know, it's, it's deck chairs on the Titanic. It's whatever metaphor you want to use here, right? Those little fixes will not address what are fundamental um, design problems with, with, with these two sports. And, and the, 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 the evolution of, of the way that baseball has been televised and marketed since we were kids to now tells the entire story, right? Like I've, I've told this on the podcast before that I grew up watching um, the Rockies in, in Denver on Channel 2, right? They were on Channel 2 virtually every game that they played in the evenings, in the summers. And so I'd come home and, you know, once it got dark out, I'd watch the last half of a baseball game, um, you know, and that's just sort of how I, I ended up my night. Now you have to, you know, have Fox Sport Rocky Mountain or what is it now? It's changed names like 50 times, um, you know. Yeah, what, 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 whatever it is. If you want to watch the watch the Nuggets, you have to have, have root sports or whatever it is. If you want to watch, you know, the only the only thing football has kind of going for it is that it's still on um, regular TV. But even this, the same article that we're talking about, and we should definitely post this link, makes the point that the NFL has done a really good job of um, strong arming uh, people, uh, you know, getting getting huge amounts of money from selling the, the rights to televise their games to CBS and to Fox and, and, and to those sorts of sorts of things. But as this viewership goes down, you know, the the script is going to be flipped, right? Like you, you're you're you, you held your product uh, captive for a, for a king's ransom. And eventually your viewership is going to go down and you're not going to be able to pay people to take it off of your hands. Right. I think that, you know, in, 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 unless there's some real drastic changes to, again, the, the conception of the design of the games, the way that they're marketed, the way that, that we attract viewers, et cetera, the way that they're priced, all of those things, um, the drop-off could be precipitous. Right. Again, I've said this on the podcast before, and, and, and this is definitely true. You don't have to go back that long to remember a time when the biggest the biggest sports products available were not football and basketball they were you know boxing and horse racing you don't you don't have to go back that far right not even 100 years to 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 know what was the most popular thing so you know to 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 it's putting blinders on to think well you know football is is objectively the greatest sport product and so so we should have no fear that it will that it will bounce back well, I'm not. I'm not sure that's true, and I, I second everything that you said about soccer. Right? Yeah, I, mean, I know. It's it's back and forth. It's action the entire time, even if there's not a lot of goals. It's bounded. You know, the game's over in two hours at the most. You know, it, it might be more captivating. But you could package those goals. I guess I wonder. I could be wrong here, but let's think about okay, the the snippets, the products that you can package from those sports. Are they more conducive? to the five second view than an entire baseball game. And I guess baseball has home runs and good defensive plays, but are we to the point where we've seen so many of those now we don't care. Uh, and I think like soccer goals, you know, you could easily package that into a yeah. five second clip and people can consume that. You can watch a game in those pieces, the NBA, maybe we, we have dunks or I guess the dunks are so rare now. Maybe that, that becomes the thing that we are drawn to. I just know that you, you know, those two leagues definitely have a problem, and it's it has everything to do, in my opinion, with their inability to recognize the audience who is going to be consuming their product significantly, significantly in the next ten to fifteen years. I mean, the buying power of the eighteen-year-old, the twenty-five-year-old, in the next ten years becomes significantly larger than it is now. And are they going to want to buy those products? Are they going to want to pay the subscription fees? Are they going to want to go to the games? And I don't know that they do. 
in, in talking to the students, you know, that you and I have every day, I don't see that love of those games or those sports or that interest that you and I have and the people and our friends have. And so I don't see the future is too bright for no, those. And, and, for and we're clearly not the end of this either. Like we're, we're at the, we're at the beginning of it, right? Because there's a huge difference between you and I and, you know, our kids, for example, you know, we grew up, I grew up watching TV with my parents, you know, pre high speed internet, obviously pre smartphone, pre cell phone, pre YouTube and Netflix and all, and all of that stuff. And even I am like, uh, do I really want to sit down and watch this stuff on TV when I can watch it at my computer or watch it, you know, on my phone from somewhere? Um, let alone kids who are, you know, people who are 15 years younger than us or 20 years younger than us or 25 years younger than us who never sat down and watched TV, right? Who never, it's funny that you asked at the very beginning. I'm not sure if it got made it onto the recording or not. You, you know, you're saying your kids are fine. They'll go sit down and watch TV while we record this, record this podcast. And my kids will too, but I know kids, neighborhood kids who, uh, my neighbor across the street, he says his kids, they don't want, they don't watch TV. He's like, they never ever like sit down on the couch. They don't watch TV. They don't watch movies. They don't go to the movies. That's just not what they do. You know, like they'll, look on their iPads or they'll play on their computers and look outside and play, but they just, you don't, you don't sit down and watch TV for three or four hours. I mean, certainly baseball and, and football are, uh, their fates are, are handcuffed to that audience, right. To a, to a TV audience, unless they can really, unless they can really think outside of the box. And I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure what that would look like, but. I think it's gotta be a willingness to just recognize that how you package those games needs to change and embrace that. And so uh, to me, as you were talking, I was, I had a conversation with a colleague of ours last week and he was talking about watching the San Francisco giants games and in the morning over a cup of coffee, instead of staying up late to watch it, you can just watch the highlights or you can get a summary of it in 10, 15 minutes. And I, I think that, the NBA is able to do that because the NBA regular season is so boring. People don't really care. So you can, you can package those things into those short segments and people are fine with it. And that will then, I would assume, build up the popularity for the playoffs. And that's really when things matter. And that's probably really when you know money starts flowing in. It's like baseball has this affinity or this connection to the purity of its game and how it should be presented. And it's just not willing to do that because I feel – and every, I mean, it's a long season, but what if it was able to do that and then just recognize that people are very interested in the playoffs or the last month or two of the season and, you know, stop pretending that the product that you have from April to July is that exciting because it's not. Uh, the NFL, I guess, is in a unique situation because obviously they only play, well, one day a week. Now it's three or four, but the point is there aren't that many games. And so, uh, it can do things a little different, but you know, baseball is just so attached to its past and you and I love it and our friends love it, but I can begin to see how people we know, the students we teach are so turned off by it because it's not that interesting to consume. Well, I, I maybe I guess I could see how people might not find, I, I, I don't know. I find, I, I, I take your point. I understand your point. I, I still watch a lot of baseball. Yeah. All right, let's uh, let's end with forty-two one from Lance here. Uh, that was a, that was a, no, that was great. That was a, that was a fantastic uh, take on on things. Um, everybody, you can find us, of course, on on wherever you get your Apple pod, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Uh, we're on all of the, the social media sites. So make sure that you you hunt us down and find us. Um, we are giving away some some badass buttons if you can leave us a review on 
Apple Podcasts, and then shoot me a, a DM of, of the review. Same thing for YouTube, if you can find our YouTube page. Find our YouTube page and subscribe. A pop socket. I got to give out something great. I know. Something I know. more. Come on. What year is it, man? You got to get with the times. You got to be more hip. I Sorry. I interrupted dude, your these, thing. Go back to your thing. Dude, these buttons are sweet. Though. They are sweet. They are sweet. Buttons. I don't, I don't sweet, have one. Sweet. You got to mail me a button. You'll get one. I'll see you soon. Uh, look forward to Brian and I recording in person at least a time or two in yeah. the next week because uh, we will do that. We'll be sure to live stream it. But uh, all right, fellow, let's go back to being fathers. And uh, thanks for being back on the show. It was good to it was good to reconnect, and I look yeah. forward to seeing you next week. Definitely, yeah. All right, see you, old boy. See ya.